Welcome back to the show, everybody. <laughs> you knew Jason wasn't going to be here, right? Uh, you knew that. <laughs> What's up, Margo? Good to see you. Jason, get your butt back on the program. Uh, this guy. Can't take him anywhere, folks. We all saw their comments beforehand. Yeah, something like if, if Jason doesn't stop being on the show, they're all going to unsubscribe. I agree. I'd unsubscribe too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. How you been, man? Pretty good. It's been a good, uh, let's see, what time is it? Seven. I haven't seen you for seven hours. Yeah, Jason and I, in preparation for our show on perfection and, and perfectionism and things like that, did what I think is a great exercise in how to get over perfectionism. That is we went to the driving range and hit a few golf balls today. We had a pretty productive practice sesh. And I was thinking earlier as we were sort of talking about doing this episode that um, there's like so many parallels between that game and, and, and the spiritual life, particularly as it comes to perfectionism and like what a burden that is on us. Um, but anyway, as we as we delve into this topic, let's say a quick prayer to the Holy Ghost um, and uh, ask for some edification and some guidance and pray for all of our followers on here. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to having this conversation. Oremos. Deus qui corda fidelium sancti spiritus illustrazioni docuisti. Da nobis in iodem spiritu recta sapere et eo semper consolazione gadere. Per Christum dominum nostrum. Amen. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. I, I put the flag up. Yeah, and I noticed it. I like it. Yeah, I got that from Trad Flags. Yeah, I figured, man, that that's made for a Tex Catherta type show. Um, So... Yeah, I like it. It's pretty nice. Jason, Jason doesn't show up. Wow. wow. Mark schism. Mark schism when Mark doesn't show. Well, she uh Caitlin also asked because I guess she saw in the 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 intro with Lofton. Yeah, actually in the in one of our very first episodes on YouTube, we had Lofton on. It's actually a really good episode. Um Yeah, it is. What's up, Ange? How you doing? Good to see you. Thanks for coming Ange. on. It was a really and, good episode about limbo of the infants. Uh, let's see. Oh, oh, we're going to be another podcast right now, but it got pushed back. Oh, well, let's say we're we'll, I'm, we're glad to have you. Glad to have you here. And if you want to uh, plug your interview, put it in the comment section because um, uh, we'd love to plug that. Uh, our good friend of the show, Angela Erickson. Um, Tonight's topic is one that Jason's wanted to do. Jason, kick this off because so you were kind of talking about this a little bit earlier. What do you What do you think? Yeah, I, I think I've been kind of on and off talking to you about it for maybe a week or two now. Yeah. Um, this idea of is perfectionism a, a vice? Because I I feel like a lot of times, myself included, we view it as kind of a quasi virtue or virtue or you know whatever terminology you want to use. Um, and that it's good because we're trying to do everything perfectly, get everything perfectly. But of course, we don't live in a perfect world. Well, I, I started doing some 
uh, thinking and soul searching and kind of examining my life and the things that I do. And I've, and I've feel like I've come to realize that this idea of perfectionism and this striving, you know, to be perfect in everything that I do. And it, it becomes more of a vice than a help. You know, I mean, should, should we strive to be perfect as our father in heaven is perfect? Yes, of, of course we should. But I think it becomes a vice when we expect it, not only in ourselves, but in others, because it, it affects our relationship with others. It doesn't allow us to really allow people to exist for who they are, be comfortable for who they are. And, um, we hold them to some arbitrary standards that don't exist. And it, it, I just feel like it really affects, at least with me, my relationship with people, because not only do they let me down, but sometimes you get angry or frustrated with them because they're not meeting these standards that you have set in your head that are in many cases unattainable. Yeah. I've been feeling kind of like that myself and it's been a hindrance. It can be a hindrance to the spiritual life too, because like, I remember like, last couple of Sundays, you know, it's time to go to mass and I'm sitting there thinking, well, I didn't do every single thing perfectly this weekend. So God's angry with me. He's not going to want to see, this is going to be a terrible experience. This is going to be like, uh, you know, uh, going to see your boss at work when you know you messed something up and, you know, it, it doesn't, it, I don't know why we're like that, but I mean, I guess we, because we want to do everything right. And we want to, I don't know anybody who celebrates, you know, failure or anything like that, but, and that's why I wanted to go out and hit golf balls today with you, Jason, because golf, you know, and I've talked a lot about golf and on this show and other shows I've, I've been on. Um, I really do see like so many parallels between that game and our spiritual life because golf is really a game where you have to learn to get comfortable with your imperfections. Um, it's not, uh, it's not like other games and there's no real way to do it perfectly. Like you could, you could, you could play baseball, you could be a pitcher in baseball and you could theoretically pitch the perfect game and, and pitchers have done that um you could you could bowl right if you're a professional bowler you've probably bowled a 300 before probably multiple times because you know you're a really good bowler and that's about it you, you can't get any better than that but a perfect score in golf would be an 18 which is impossible no one's ever done it no one's ever going to do that um and so like even really good golfers shoot in the mid 50s so it's re and so you know and i i probably shoot like what mid mid 80s somewhere around there on a bad day probably <laughs> Way better than me five or something like that so but i mean still a lot of room for improvement um golf is a game where if you you know you see tiger play on sunday and you think well he's hitting a ball with a stick how difficult can that be and you get out there and you don't play like Tiger and you're frustrated. And you're, I mean, how many times have you heard golf as a frustrating game? It's not really. It's frustrating because you're not comfortable with the fact that you don't do it perfectly. And so when you hit an errant shot and it goes off into the woods and you want to throw your clubs into the lake and never play this stupid game ever again, the expectation that you were putting on yourself was not realistic. 
And golf is a game to be enjoyed. It's not a game to be frustrated with. And if you think about it, you could bogey. I mean, the average, the average par for the average course is 72. That means you could bogey every hole and still shoot 90. And 90 is a great score for an average golfer. So I think that the spiritual life is a lot of the same things. If you're, it's a, it's a constant game of improvement. Your your, your perfection is attained through Christ, not your efforts. Right. Well, yeah. And and sorry, go ahead. Well, no, that's that's jump in anytime. I, no, I, no, I, 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 I would. I kind of wait to be interrupted by. Well, I, I try not to <laughs> do it. But I'm not very good at it. No, I was just gonna say that, you know, striving perfection and expecting perfection are two different things, right? Like, like you talk about enjoying golf. Well, if you're a perfectionist by nature, which I think I am in a lot of ways, I have a hard time enjoying really anything, like any hobby, like like for instance when i'm woodworking or or doing something else because every little mistake every imperfection really annoys me and and perturbs me more than it should therefore at that point i stress about that imperfection and it and it affects my whole mood and my whole attitude towards whatever i'm i'm doing at that time right and one question that that I always ask myself is why am I so impatient? Like I'm constantly impatient about everything. Right. And I know a lot of people suffer with being impatient, but I, it's something that, that, that is really something that, that gets me really good and really well. Most of the time it's one of my struggles. Right. And I read this quote from Pope Francis and I, and to me, it, it really resonated with me. It says, <clears throat> we encounter problems whenever we think that relationships or people ought to be perfect or when we put ourselves at the center, then everything makes us impatient and act aggressively. Unless we can cultivate patience, we will always find excuses for responding angrily. And that's the other thing with impatience, right? With, with me is not only do I become impatient, but I become angry. And then from that anger, when I reflect on it later, I have excuses for it. Well, that's because this happened or so-and-so did this. They didn't meet my arbitrary standards or so on and so forth. And when I read that, I was like, that's exactly how I live my life. I, I, I expect perfectionism when it doesn't happen, I get impatient. And then from there, that impatience builds into aggression or aggressive attitude and behaviors. And then later when I reflect on it, I just make excuses for it. You know, and it's just it's just a pattern. So that's really what got me thinking about can perfectionism be a vice? Oh yeah, I, I at least it's it's at the very least a hindrance to you know an obstacle to holiness for sure. Um, it's an obstacle to joy, as you just stated, because you know another title of the episode is per- perfectionism is only going to lead to frustration. Um. You know, I, I think when you, when I, when I play, when I, when I, the way I approach the game of golf is I, and that's just a really a, good point, Margo. I really think that perfection can be an enemy of time. the good. Yeah. 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 Sorry. And, go, it, go and it really, it really causes you to sort of, you're, you're relying a lot on yourself, on your own power and your own, you know, I, I can, I can conquer my vices through, through sheer strength of will. 
And when that doesn't pan out, you're angry at yourself. When in reality, we're being perfected by Christ. Christ is the one perfecting us. And so I remember, you know, I used to struggle with like sort of saying, you know, I would confess the same sins over and over again. And I was thinking, you know, am I going to, when am I ever going to conquer this? And I remember the confessor saying, Mark, you can't conquer this. You personally, I've got bad news for you. You are outgunned. The most intelligent creature that God ever made has done nothing since the dawn of time other than think about how to drag your soul to hell. You're outgunned. You can't. You cannot. But here's the good news. We have a champion who can fight this fight for us and who will fight this fight for us. And all we have to do is surrender everything we have, everything we are, all of our imperfections, all of that to him. And then he will, he will perfect us. And I remember uh, after confession, sitting in the church, praying, um, and just saying, Lord, I, I, I can't do it. You have to do it. You have to do it. And I will do my, I will make a firm purpose of amendment to cooperate with your grace. And then, it, and then, I mean, it didn't happen overnight, but, uh, you know, this particular vice that I'm thinking of, it, it, it's no longer part of my life by the grace of God. And I mean, I guess, you know, I, I, I don't want to say, yeah, I don't have to worry about that anymore, you know, but it's yeah. like, it's, it's not something, uh, <clears throat> by the grace of God that's in my life anymore. And so you can see in those instances where you do surrender yourself and surrender all of your imperfections and all the, the things about yourself, the good and the bad, um, things start to change. Um, you know, I was thinking about the game of golf again, and the way I approach the game is I just play every shot. I don't worry about what the course record is, and I don't worry. I'm not going to beat the course record. I'm not that good of. A, I'm not that good of a golfer. I don't shoot in the sixties. Never have. Probably never will. Um, you don't really need to to play the game. Uh, to, to you don't need to uh, play like Tiger. Uh, every Sunday to play the game well. In fact, I've got bad news for you. N none of us are ever going to play like Tiger. Tiger was given a gift by God to be able to play that game better than anybody else can play it. Good for him. I, you know, <clears throat> it's not like it hadn't cost him anything. Okay. So before you get upset that God didn't give you somebody else's gift, um, just know every gift, there's a cross hidden in there somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, and instead, I took some lessons. I still take lessons. Um, I got bad news for you. Tiger Woods takes lessons. Oh, not Tiger. He should be giving the lessons. Yeah, he's given some lessons too, but Tiger Woods takes a lesson. Now, his lessons are more advanced than our lessons are. <laughs> but it's a constant. The spiritual life is a constant is a constant game of improvement over and over. You get up every day and you start it all over again. Um, and I don't think that any of us are are above that. Um, well, and, and here's the thing that we talked about today about playing golf, right? Is that I've been on, on the course and you have too, where you're, you're eight holes in, you ain't hit anything, right? Yeah. That, that amounts, that amounts to anything. Everything is a horrible shot. It's going left. It's going right. It's going everywhere, but where you want it to go. 
and you say, you know what? At the turn, I'm gone. I'm out of here. And then all of a sudden, that ninth hole, you somehow you swing that club. It's an effortless swing. You hit that ball, goes, it makes that little, you know, sound that it makes, hits that ball, ball goes up, beautiful ball, straight, hits, and it lands perfectly right on the green. And you're like, that's not so bad. You know, I'll, <laughs> I'll stick around for nine more. And, and, and I think that, you know, our spiritual life can be that way, right? Because we're struggling, we're struggling. But all of a sudden, like you said, by the grace of God and by our perseverance and faith in God's grace, we can we, we we hit a good point that really energizes us and helps us propel uh you know ourselves into the next battle right the next difficulty that we have um i I, th I think there is some correlation with that and i really think perfectionism also when it becomes a vice i really think that it can hinder your ability to love not only yourself but your neighbors and your family as you should Right. Mm. So I, I really think it has a, a dehabilitating effect on that if, if you allow if you allow it to, because, you know, uh, another quote here is to love is also to be gentle and thoughtful. Love is not rude or impolite. It is not harsh. You know, its actions, words and gestures are pleasing and not abrasive. So I don't know about you, but but impatience in me breeds that abrasiveness and that harshness. And uh, really, I don't love just in general as I should, because, again, people are constantly felling this these standards that you have set before them. And then now you're upset with them and, and everything else. And what, what one of the things that I kind of wondered that I looked up this week. And I'm not Hang saying on. I want to I want to address this this comment from Margo real quick. What if I suck at cooperating with God? Why are you so convinced of that? Because you're not perfect yet. I don't know that that's the situation. I don't know that it's true that you just aren't good at cooperating with God. You have Margo, let me lay this out for you quite simply the way it was laid out for me. Your problem and my problem and Jason's problem and, and Pope Francis's problem and everybody, human being on earth, we all have the same problem. Our problem is fundamentally a supernatural problem. Modernism lives under this guise that everything is a science. Everything is, can be cured through modern medicine and you just haven't tried hard enough and everything's a conquering of the will. You have a supernatural problem. <laughs> That's not your, uh, you were born with it. It's a condition of it's it's a it's a fall it's a part of your your fallen human condition. So I don't know that it's true that you necessarily aren't good at cooperating with God. Could we all do better at that? You bet, no question. But uh, also learn to you know Christ Christ loves you and has forgiven you, and you do not have a better moral compass than Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, you just don't. So the idea that Christ has forgiven you of your sins, but you're still going to hold yourself uh, over the coals for them. You know, obviously we have repentance and everything, but to just be like, well, I, I know, I know God's forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself. You do not have a better moral compass than Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. You don't. So have a little mercy on yourself once in a while. Okay. Go ahead, Jason. Sorry. No, you're good. I, I was just going to say that, a couple of things that I looked up about, about this idea is perfectionism of vice. And, 
in all disclosure, I didn't really do a whole lot of research for this. These are just kind of thoughts that I've had. So maybe yeah. some of them are wrong. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe I'm wrong there, but I'm just kind of saying the things that have been going through my mind. You know, when, when I approached you about this episode, I was like, let's just, and I know you like to just free will discuss it. Let's just talk, see what happens. Let's see what comes out. Um, just get our thoughts out there. Right. But one of the things that I did look up is I was like, you know what, what is the root cause of perfectionism? And, and I don't know if this is right or not, but one of the websites said a fear of judgment or disapproval from others. And, you know, mm. that is something else that, that my whole life that I've, that I've struggled with. And I can see, uh, upon reflecting upon that idea, I can see how that can lead you to perfectionism, right? Because you 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 don't want to have this. You have this fear of disapproval or ju you know a negative judgment of others. So you're constantly striving for that perfectionism that that, that is really unattainable or, or or may not even be feasible for your state in life. But you're still trying to get it right because you want others to think X, Y, and Z about you and not A, B, C. You know. Um, so I, I just thought that was interesting. I didn't know if you had any thoughts on that being a root cause or I, I, I definitely think it's a root cause. It's in, it's, I think the root causes is, is the same root cause as inordinate self-love. Um, and, and a belief that, I mean, look, when, when you're disappointed in yourself because you didn't do everything perfect, that means you really honestly believe you should have. And, you know, I go back to, I go back to my favorite game. You know, I, I, I used to um, try and, you know, get out the range finders and calculate distance to every hole and really try to hit the perfect shot every time. And then, then I gave all that up and I just decided to just play every shot, whatever it is, what, you know, what's the best shot from here. Right. You, know, you were talking earlier about, that that ninth hole shot after you played the worst round of your life and it's just perfect and everything and i really believe that that's because after after you've had so much frustration in holes one through eight you don't care anymore you've already given up in your mind <laughs> so I you get me. up there you just tee it up and you just swing the golf swing is effortless most people don't know this about the golf swing is effortless if you go to the practice range and you hit and you hit like eight balls and something hurts, you're doing the golf swing wrong. Chances are you are hitting them off this way, off this way. You're hitting the ball with the bottom of the club, which is causing it to just bounce off. The, I mean, you, 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 if you hit the ball at all, everybody else around you is just launching them off and you feel like you look stupid and you don't belong there. And this is dumb and everything. The best advice I ever got, the best lesson I ever got at, at golf was slow the F down, slow down, big, slow, easy, smooth swing. Don't think about the mechanics. Don't think about how you're you're addressed at the ball. Don't think about it. Just make contact with the club and a nice, smooth, easy swing. Yeah. And buddy, let me tell you, Jason, could you, I mean, I am hitting the ball better now than I probably ever have in my life just by doing that. And I think there's something to this as well. When you're, when you're struggling in, in the spiritual life, 
by making sure that you say these prayers every day and you pray them in Latin and you've got and you've gone to mass every day and you've done this and you've said this novena and you've done this thing and you fasted this long and you and you, you you're checking off everything and life begins to be less about a relationship with God and more about you checking things off a box or, and, and, or, or off your checklist, your piety checklist. Welcome to the wonderful world of the Pharisees. Now, Jesus, Jesus has run-ins with the Pharisees oftentimes in the scriptures. And I think a lot of people don't understand what the Pharisees were or what they were about, but they're a fascinating movement in, in religious history. Um, and the Pharisees, are this, and the Pharisaic movement is what uh, modern rabbinical Judaism has grown out of that. And like, if you go to a modern day yeshiva, which is like a Jewish seminary, sort of, although lay people go to it, and it's really a place where you study the Torah, okay? Both children all the way up to adults, right? Um, in fact, one of the big universities in New York is a yeshiva, Yeshiva University, okay? And in a yeshiva, what they do all day long is they sit around in groups and argue incessantly about the proper Jewish way to open a doorknob or to open a, a can of soda. What is the properly Jewish way to comb your hair in the morning? And they will have these arguments about how to do this until eventually the yeshiva will split in two. And you have two branches of Judaism that, you know, and I know it's funny to listen to all these trads rip on the Jews all day long. And sometimes I'm like, you guys are worse than a yeshiva <laughs> with all of your crap. It's like acts of piety are supposed to be acts of piety. They're there to, they are there as means to the end of addressing our relationship with the Lord. They are not ends in and of themselves. And I think yeah. that can, that's a, a big uh, part of what perfectionism leads to. It just leads to this sort of checklist theology, I guess you could call it. Yeah. And, you know, when, when I reference, when I reference perfectionism in this episode, I mean, obviously it, it does affect your spiritual life um, because everything we do affects our spiritual life. Right. And that's, that's why we have to make wise decisions and the things that we do. But, but, you know, but before you kind of reminded me, but before anyone tries to say that we're not saying you shouldn't strive to be perfect. Yes, we should be striving to be perfect in our spiritual life. But when I'm referencing perfectionism, I'm more or less many times talking about the mundane everyday things going on in your life. Right. That, mm -hmm. that don't necessarily, that aren't necessarily spiritual. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. so I just kind of wanted to throw that out there. I'm not saying that striving to be perfect is not a good thing because as i stated in, earlier in the episode we should be doing that it's, it's in scripture we should strive to be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect and i believe margo uh quoted that earlier as well in the comments but uh one thing <laughs> i don't know that it really makes a tie i just think it's kind of funny but you saw me today when I hit the ball, I, I have a real bad slice. I always slice the ball real bad. I mean, it, it'll get like when I hit my driver, it'll go and it'll go far, but it, you know, it'll go off to the right quite a bit sometimes, but every time I hit the ball fat. So I guess for people that don't know golf terms, when you hit the ball fat, it means that you hit the ground right before you hit the ball. Um, 
But every time I hit the ball fat with my driver, the ball goes straight. It won't go nearly as far, of course, but it goes straight, right? And uh, I was just, when you were talking a second ago, I said, you know what? That's just like uh, when we're going off course and we we pray to God, <laughs> we pray to God in our spiritual life, and He puts us back on course. I'm uh, that's like hitting it fat. I'm about to really go off course here, but God has corrected my my my, uh, my plan destination. I hit it fat, yeah. ball goes straight. <laughs> well, you know, we have a saying: short and straight is better than long and wrong. And a lot of people want to hit the ball. You know, they, they want to drive it off the tee, 280, 300 yards right off the tee. Here's the deal. But I can only hit it straight, but I can hit it 175 yards. Then do that. Do Your, your score will get lower. I okay, guarantee well, you. Well, that brings up something else. Consistency is better than, than in, you know, obviously inconsistency. It, like you said, if I'm, if I'm doing things in the golf game consistently, maybe not as far, but I'm doing it consistently, I will shoot a better game than I will than every sixth or seventh tee I, I, I hit a straight one. But, every, but you know, the other, the other ones I'm hitting way off course. Now I've got to take three strokes to get it back to the green where, you know, being consistent with, with my shot, even if it's not far you know, will get me. And I think your spiritual life is like that. Like if you're, if you're consistently praying, if you're consistently, um, you know, helping others and, and, and doing acts of mercy and, or works of mercy and all that, I, I really think that's better than just doing it every few months or, you know, during Lent or Advent, you know, sure. you'll see, you'll bear more fruits in your spiritual life. If you do a little bit at a time consistently versus, well, see, and that's that's to me the biggest problem with perfectionism lot, yeah. is it's actually an obstacle to you getting better. It, it actually it actually ends up being an obstacle to you getting better and improving because <clears throat> eventually you're just going to give up. I'll never be good enough. I'll never do it right. Why bother trying? And you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna do whatever the spiritual equivalent is of taking your clubs and chucking them into the lake. Yeah. You're never and the golf the game of golf is just for other people. It's not just for other people. You know the funny thing is people people look at uh, retired guys and old guys older I say old guys older golfers elderly golfers guys in their seventies and eighties who play great golf. And most people think it's because they retired and they have a lot of time to sit around and practice playing golf a lot. No, it's because they don't have that many muscles left and they're just doing a slow, easy, effortless swing. And that's why they play such great golf. You know, you, you mentioned earlier, um, you know, the, the slice, the slice. And, and the thing about the slice is that is something that, Everybody who has tried to play this game has struggled with for the rest of their lives. There's something about that club face. It just wants to be open at impact. And when your club face is open, your ball is going to go right into the mm -hmm. woods, into the lake, into the water, into the trouble. Um, eventually, though, you you've, you over time and practice, you can figure out how to open your stance a little bit, how to swing with your hips and and you start visualizing the golf swing in some different terms and things like that. And it helps out your slice a lot. That being said, even the pros slice every once in a while. So 
I always like uh, watching. I was like watching like the British Open or the U.S. Open or the Masters when like Bubba Watson will hit one into the woods, and then I'll be like, "Hey, I play just like Bubba Watson does. Um, <laughs> I can make that shot. See, I can play like the pros do, because uh, the pros hit them into the woods all the time. You know, what's um, the name of what? What's the name of that golfer? The the one that smokes and drinks all. Of, uh, John John Daly. Daly. Yeah, you know you're. John t- Daly. You know, you, that guy's a. You, you mentioned earlier in the episode <laughs> that if that if you're hitting the ball and something hurts, you're doing it wrong. I'm just gonna say this: John Daly is a professional golfer who does not take care of his body in the slightest. And and he said one time he goes, they asked him why he never warms up. He goes, well, you can't pull fat, right? That was yeah. his quote. I, I can't pull fat. You can pull a muscle, but you can't pull fat. And uh, listen, we are not advocating you to live a John Daly lifestyle, (laughs) but I I don't know. I'm kind of convinced now he's one of these people that if he stopped smoking and drinking, he'd probably die. Oh, he very Um, well could be. It could be a shock to his body. I have no idea how in the world. Oh, he drinks his Diet Coke and smokes cigarettes. Oh, he drinks more than Diet Coke. Well, I I was going to say, we have, I was going to say, like, like (laughs) alcohol. I just, I was, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, boy, take better. <laughs> if hey, look at it this way. If you're not living life like John Daly, you're already cooperating with Grace more than he is. Um, That's true. <clears throat> I'll never fast fat. enough. I'll never fast enough. Well, how much would enough be? Is the why do you think that? Why do you think yeah. that? Do you think you're? Do you, let me ask you a question, Margo. Do you think that your fasting? in and of itself has redemptive value. I've got news for you. It only has redemptive value as it is united to the mystical body of Christ, as it is united to Christ's sufferings. And that's where all the redemptive value is. Your fasting is not, you cannot save the world through your fasting. You can't. Well, well, my Uh, question is if, well, I was going to say, well, my, no, 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 just my question, like I never, I'll never fast enough. Well, what would you, what would make you say, okay, I fasted enough? Like at what point is it enough? I mean, what's the answer to that? Right. And just, you know, she, she says right here because other people fast way more than I do. Well, it does. It's not you versus other people. It's you right. against it's you versus yourself. I mean, we need to talk about comparing yourself to others. That's a great. This ties in so much to what we're talking about, and it's so easy to compare yourself to others. I was in mass last Sunday, and I'm there with my wife, and I'm looking. And I'm 44 years old. Okay, no kids. Doesn't look like that's gonna happen, right? We've obeyed all the marital laws of the church. But God has not blessed us with children. Hey, that's his prerogative, not mine. I don't get to, I'm not the master of life and death. He is, okay? But I'm sitting there at mass. I'm looking at all these young families. The husband and wife are in their like maybe late 20s. They've got four or five kids. They're all dressed immaculately. And I'm just like, wow, all these young people have their lives so much more together than I did when I was their age. Like I am just a screw up uh, and my whole life has just been one screw up after another. Never mind the fact that I've got this wonderful wife here sitting next to me I, that I don't deserve. Okay. She's sitting there next to me. I'm in church 
I'm at mass. And it's like, I'm not good enough. I'm not doing it right. I didn't do it. Even though I did, even though I'm, even though I am in front of the body of Christ himself, this isn't good enough because of, you know, I, I should be, I look at these people and I should be where they are. Man, yeah. you don't know what those people are going that, through. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what those people, those, those, those 20 something immaculately dressed, beautiful couples with the three kids, them people got problems, man. They got problems you don't know anything about. I'm telling you. Where uh, people in general, I mean, all of us are good at putting on masks. I mean, we really are, all of us. And yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that they're putting on masks necessarily. No, they well, dead, I, I, but, I, I, I don't mean that in a negative way. But what I'm saying, though, is that people present themselves in public and, right. and are able to mask underlying problems that nobody else knows about. And, you know, going to another sport, you know, one thing that I, I always tell my kids there in wrestling and their coaches tell them as well is, you know, you, they're always looking at you know, all the kids, they, they look at the, these wrestlers that are doing really well and they, they compare themselves to them. And it's like, look, you know who your number one competitor is? It's yourself. Go look at the guy in the mirror. That's who you're, that's who you're trying to get better than every day. Every day you're trying to get 1% better. If you can get 1% better every day, you're getting better than you're better than you were yesterday. So, so it, it's not you versus everybody. It's you against yourself. How can I improve myself every day? Maybe this person is a hundred steps ahead of me and it's, that seems unattainable and it may be for you to get to where they are, but guess what? It's not unattainable for you to improve 1% every day. 1% yeah. today is better than, than yesterday. So uh, again, Focus on on what you need to do, and and obviously when it comes to the spiritual life, you know, pray to God, rely on His uh, on the grace of God to help you get better each day. But um, Lou, good to see you. How are you? Um, thank you for coming on. Um, yeah, no, totally. And 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 this idea of and talking about fasting enough and comparing yourself to others and things like that. <clears throat> at the driving range today, I did something kind of dangerous. Um, I, I had gone to the gym earlier before you saw the me hitting the, you saw me hitting the golf balls and we're like, man, I got a long way to go. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You saw how, I, you saw, you saw how I, I hit a, a 10. A and, 10. Uh, I played one hole. <laughs> and so like I got to the driving range and we were out there for about an hour or two. And it was not extraordinarily hot, but it was hot and I hadn't eaten anything and I wasn't hydrating correctly and I got heat sickness. Um, I was, uh, I, at some point, you know, Jason, you had mentioned that you were kind of concerned. I, I was kind of walking a little strange. And by the time I got home man, I was walking crooked um, and had to rehydrate, go lay down, you know, things like that. So that, that I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, if you, you can push yourself too hard and end up undoing anything positive that you're actually trying to accomplish. The fasting uh, and, and, and the self-penance and the, the mortification and things like that is not, um, it's not a punishment that God wants you to go through because you deserve it. I don't believe God punishes us in this life for mistakes that we make or even sins we commit. 
our punishment and our reward comes in the next life. And um, the idea of mortification is to learn how to overcome the weaknesses of our flesh so that we can attain a higher, I don't want to say plane of existence. That sounds kind of new age or whatever, but so that we can, um, I, I think St. Paul says it best uh, to put on the new man uh, and, and, and to let the old man die away. Uh, the, the, the prayer that they pray when, um, when servers put on the, um, the, the, the surplus in the, in the sacristy at mass is, I think it's from Ephesians, if I'm not mistaken, indume domine novum ominum quia secundum Deus creatus est in justitia et sanctitati veritatis, which is a beautiful prayer. And it says, clothe me Lord with the new man created in the image of God and justice and the holiness of truth. That's what fasting and penance is supposed to do. It's not so that you can become the new Jesus. You're going to, you know, like, there, yeah, there, there's that, there's that Nazarene carpenter guy, but watch this. That <laughs> Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Uh, so I, I, I think you have to be smart. You have to be safe when you're doing mortifications. And I think like Jason, like you were just talking about, I think it's the little things that count more. Um, because well, yeah, trying to, you're trying consistent to do big, with it. Yeah. Trying to do big things inconsistently is less effective than doing little things consistently is what I was trying to get at earlier. I didn't yeah, No, I that's absolutely. I wasn't, right. I wasn't very concise with it, but basically that's what I was getting at. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, no. Yeah, Lou, it was, I mean, I've, I've, I've been worse, but it was not great. And it was kind of dangerous. And, you know, it was one of those things like you've got to, uh, yes, it was. Anthony's story was pretty scary. You've got to know your limitations um, and, and, and learn how to work within them in order to improve. And the spiritual life is like that. The game of golf is like that. There's probably a lot of different analogies you could draw but i i you know i i like to say that uh that it's better to i used to there's our good friend oh my gosh Uh welcome welcome okay (laughs) this is your first time on the new show yeah oh wait okay She's going to need to introduce herself to our new text catheter audience. <laughs> Margo, very good point. Everyone has different limits. Excellent there we go. Point. There we go. Sorry we about that. This is your, your first time on the new show. Thank you for welcoming me onto your new podcast. Absolutely. It's the I'm, same. I'm, I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of scared for her to come on. Cause either she's going to come in and agree and add, or she's going to come on and be like, you guys are completely wrong. I'm about to shut you You're down. Wrong. I mean, by you, <laughs> prima facie are always wrong. So, wow, fair, yeah, yeah. fair. <laughs> that is fair and correct. I mean, you can't argue yeah. with it. It's 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 accurate. It doesn't. Um, it doesn't mean that she's not ex- uh, text communicated. But wow, yeah, you you've been on the show for like f- not even a Sorry. full minute. You've already been Realizing? text communicated. There we go. Sorry, I had your episode still on on my other. 
on like I had a YouTube tab open and so I was like hearing double of everything and it was very confusing. My apologies. <laughs> oh, <forgiven>. I'm a rookie. <laughs> okay. Veronica fell and smashed her head right before this like big oh, egg on her head and like part of her eye uh is oh my bleeding. gosh that's nah. scary so no we're good we're good so you have to tell me because you know i i i don't have any kids and i don't I certainly have never had any little ones or anything like that but mm-hmm. you know and both of you have several so at after you know the second or third one when the little ones fall are you just are you as terrified as you were the first time it happened or are you just no way now i'm super gluing their heads shut so that i don't have to bring them into the okay. er gotcha you're yeah. just that's like, what i it- did last halloween <laughs> Yeah, and you're oh and you're sitting here and you're sitting here like, is there a bump on the head? Okay, bumps coming, we're fine. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're like that she didn't get a concussion, and the trauma is coming outward, which is better than nothing at all. Because if there's nothing else, like what they what they say is that if the trauma comes out, that's good. Because otherwise, it, the trauma goes inward towards the brain, and that's when yeah. you need to be more oh, concerned. Man. Is if you don't have a bump. That's terrifying. So, oh, let me. Yeah. If you will, you kind of learned that after a really nice concussion with uh, number three. Oh my gosh! Let me mm-hmm. let me tell you two examples of 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 both of both my kids real quick. It won't take long. My oldest, when when we first had her, she was finally sitting up on her own, and she fell over from the carpet to the to the kitchen in our old in our old house, and she hit her head. She didn't hit it real hard, but my wife was freaking out. Was like. Do we need to take her? And she wasn't even crying, you know. It wasn't that hard. But my wife's like, "Should we take her to the hospital?" I said, That's "For so- what? For what?" And she goes, For being she a hit baby? her head. She she's like, she hit her head with her internal bleeding. I said, "She's I think we she's would not even, know. She's fine. She's not even crying." <laughs> but then the scariest one was, and this was my fault. We were with my second daughter. We were in in the grocery store, and we had her in the car carrier, right? And I had taken her out to hold her and I set her down back in it. And I just turned and I've told myself, I said, buckle her in. I said, no, just, I'll be right here. I'll be a second. And I turned to grab something on the shelf and she lurched up, fell from the basket and hit her head on the ground. Mm. And, um, I mean, luckily nothing, nothing happened. I mean, she was fine. We called, um, we called my sister-in-law who's a nurse and everything. And she was like, well, look for this and, or that. And we did that, but she was fine. But, yeah, it it can be scary or it can be ridiculous. Can be. Depending I'm on sending what this whole yeah. episode to CPS, just so you know. I'm oh my goodness! <laughs> my my son John got so excited after trick or treating last year that he tripped falling. He fell out of his seat show, after showing me his candy and smacked his head on the corner of our window that was sitting behind oh him and gosh. split it open. And then every week for two weeks after that, he would hit his head on a wall wrestling with the kids right before wrestling and split it back open. So now he's got a huge um, scar, scar there that wouldn't have been there. I, I, I super glued it shut real nicely. That's based. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. But yeah. That kid's get anyway, the kid's going to rule when he gets to be a teenager. Head. He's going to have this big scar. You're going to look tough. That's awesome. <laughs> Oh, anyway. Yeah. So that's been exciting. But anyway, Veronica's doing fine now. Yeah. Good. She's she's actually right here. But (laughs) Angela, have you struggled with perfectionism? You mentioned in the comment section that uh, that Um, that's been something. I feel like, Mark, you probably know a little bit because, I mean, you and I are in some chats. We've talked about stuff like this before. Sure. Um, But I totally struggle with it. My, uh, I have like a very harsh inner critic and it's taken me years to 
try and tamp that down a little bit. I still distinctly remember where I was sitting in my car. I don't know if I was on my way out, like away from, I don't know if I was leaving confession or something like that. And I, it just really struck me that my struggles with, with having just a really negative self-talk constantly telling myself what an idiot, what an idiot I am or how stupid I am. I can't believe I did that constantly talking to myself that way and never feeling like I was ever doing enough. And I realized that it really was God's grace. That is, um, that is the substance of our relationship, right? Like my relationship with God, it really is about his grace and it has nothing to do with what I accomplish because he already accomplished it. Mm. I just have to cooperate. And that for me was very freeing. And I was like, wow, I feel like I'm having some weird proddy moment. You know, like <laughs> works won't well. Jason's you. a modernist now, so <laughs> I am. Uh, but but it, yes, Tyler. So I want to mention t- Tyler's comment here. Yes, that's why super glue was invented was for the military. Um, that my husband discovered that. That's why we started using no super glue. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yep, it's for in combat um, to to get wounds taken care of while they were out on the field. I'll be darned. Yep. So anyway, I know people always look at me like we're crazy. <laughs> For doing that it's like this is literally what it was made for um but anyway <laughs> um so yeah, yeah i think I, I distinctly remember that moment where it sort of dawned on me but i still struggle with it i mean and i have to watch it with my kids right like i don't know about you guys but like sometimes i'll do something and i'll say oh sorry like i'm such an idiot and i say that in front of my kids and so they're internalizing that i'm speaking about myself that way mm-hmm. and um and my kids will say mom no you're not you're you're or i'll say like oh i'm the worst i say that a lot and i'm like no no you're not mom you're the best mom ever and it's like the sweetest thing because it's it's very healing but it also is very um it it strikes at my core because i just realize i I don't want them to talk to themselves the way that i talk to myself and my my self-worth um it shouldn't be rooted in in feeling like i'm accomplishing or being perfect um, it should re- really be rooted in just knowing that I'm loved by God and that he died for me and wants to m- wants to be in relationship with me. Um, and that's what I want to pass on to my kids. So, you know, Angie, you said something in, in, in one of those chats <clears throat> that really resonated with me, and I'd like you to expand on it a little bit. And that a lot of times perfectionism in our spiritual life is us trying to earn God's love mm-hmm. and we don't have to earn God's love. And I, mm-hmm. I, because what Margot was saying earlier in the comment section resonated with me because I think we've all at some point felt like that. I don't do enough. And, you know, even when I do pray the rosary, my mind wanders. It's like, even when you do it, you didn't do it good enough. Mm-hmm. And you didn't do it the right way. And, you know, and, and there's always something about scripture talks wrong. about that though, right? Like um, how, how <laughs> limited we are in our capacity, even for prayer. And I believe St. Paul talks about the Holy Spirit, um, praying for us with those groans and moanings that we don't even utter because he knows the depths of our hearts. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so he sort of accounts for that in a way that we personally can't. And I think a lot of us, um, especially those of us maybe who did experience difficult childhoods or there's, there are things that have happened in our life where we feel like we don't know how to relate to God, the father. And if you don't know how to relate to, if you didn't have somebody in your life that sort of embodied, that paternal love for you, um, 
you don't know how to receive love freely because you've never received, you've never been loved freely by somebody who is representative of God in your life. And so, of course, the next natural thing is to think that you have to earn it because if you're not being given love freely, then you do have to earn it. Um, and so it's hard to relate to a God who gives love freely, who is love. Uh, when you, when you haven't experienced that unconditional love in your own life. And I, so I, I think that has to be accounted for. There are so many different reasons why people are perfectionists, why we're scrupulous. It's not, it's not always, um, blatant pride, but even this situation, it is still pride. Right. Um, but it's, it's kind of that unsuspecting form of pride. It's still thinking you can earn love. Um, but it's not intentionally prideful. Um, it's just, it's, it's kind of like a lot of those deadly sins. You don't realize that you're committing a deadly, that you are suffering from some sort of deadly vice um, until you really reflect, this is not an act of humility because I'm thinking that I'm doing this and I'm not. Damn, that's let well me, said. let me, let me ask you something because I, I I've, you kind of reminded me of this question and, and it goes along with what, what you were talking about. Cause I've actually started I don't know if you can see it with my filter, but I've started. <laughs> Not even a little <laughs> I, bit. I need I, I need to get uh, another room. I'm, I'm in one of the bedrooms here, so I try to keep the privacy in it. But um, with these backgrounds, but anyway, so I started kind of journaling. I've never done it before in my life. All my readings and the thoughts that go through my head, mm. questions I have, and and one of the quotes and it goes along with what you were just saying. One of the quotes that I, that I read, and again, it's another quote from Pope Francis. It says, he writes only to the degree that we have received this love talking about God's unconditional love. Are we able to share it with others? And one of the questions I wrote is how, how do we receive God's love? I mean, how do we, I don't know the answer to that. Like I've never really mm. pondered that. Like how do I receive God's love so that I may therefore give it to others? I don't know the answer to the first part of that question. Hmm. Yeah, that's Dude, a really Jason big out here asking the big questions, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not going to pretend to be some kind of an expert because I'm still learning how to receive love. That's been a part of my healing journey, I guess, so to speak. Um, you know, I think we all receive love differently. I mean, we, we sort of express that naturally and in the things, you know, some people like receiving thoughtful gifts. Some people, words of affirmation is really important. That acknowledgement, right? We all desire to be seen as we truly are. Um, and I think when we're receiving God's love or we're learning how to receive his love, you know, because um, we're receiving consolation in our heart and that edification and peace, um, which shows that we are receptive. Our hearts are open to being formed into having a heart like the sacred heart of Jesus, um, because it is just overflowing with love. Um, but we have to take the time to cultivate that. And I think we, we cultivate that by reading sacred scripture, um, doing Lexio Divina meditation, um, really getting into the life of Christ and allowing him to touch those parts of our heart, um, in meditative prayer where he can meet us truly, for me, that is where I've found the most healing and the most um, that's really increased my capacity to experience God's love in, in a really profound way. Um, and then that just spills out into my family life um, because you're right. You cannot give what you do not have, but you have to make time for it. And that's always the hardest part, I think, for us is to to carve time out to 
receive God's love, whether that's through reading the Psalms or praying through praying through those really hard things. Um, I I personally love praying through the sorrowful mysteries that for me and the joyful mysteries too, for different reasons. But the sorrowful mysteries is where I find um, God's love deeply and profoundly. Um, So yeah, I think it's going to be different for every person, but that's where I would start is, is inviting him into that mental prayer. And I do think that's why the saints say mental prayer. You will not attain heaven if you do not engage in mental prayer. Um, because you can't truly come to know God if you're not talking to him in the silence of your heart. I had to incorporate more of that because m- my prayer life had sort of degenerated into a form, very just very mechanical formulaic um, thing. And I, I had this ritual where on my morning run, I would pray the rosary during my morning run. And something about that to me was very like uh, mortifying and everything. But but then I, I decided to move the rosary to a different part of the day. And in the morning run, just talk to the Lord and mm-hmm. just talk to the Lord and have him talk to me. And it's still, it's still an act of mortification of the flesh. Cause I'm not Jason, you and I've met in person. I'm not an exerciser. Like, like we, we know this, <laughs> but um, it, it's still, I, and it's helped me so much because yeah, the, the, you can get, too formulaic with it and too mechanical with it and miss that communion. And I think if you could boil down the Catholic religion into a single word, that word would be communion. The whole point of the Catholic religion is to commune with the Lord, not just to pray to God, right? So God is up here and you're down here and you just let him know that you recognize he's all powerful. And maybe if you're lucky, he won't smite you, right? That's not our religion. God desires intimate communion with us, not just in some sort of mental or spiritual or otherwise theoretical capacity, but in his body, he desires bodily communion with us. Unless you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, you have no life in you. So um, I've also been thinking about um, what happens when we take long pauses from receiving Holy Communion, mm. and it's not good. Like we we really do need that. Now I'm not advocating. Uh, uh, irreverent or unworthy reception of the sacrament obviously we i mean a worthiness is a weird word to talk about when we talk about that but i think you know what i mean it's for lack of a better one we have to have our souls properly disposed to receive holy communion obviously but that leads us to going back to confession frequently and that's important but i think you know and i think it was was it Pius the 10th who was the one who really advocated for frequent holy communion of the faithful Um, And it's so important. And it's just, I can think back to those times in my life in which I really start getting down on myself, feeling bad because I'm not perfect, feeling bad because I don't do anything right. And it's because for some reason or another, I have taken a couple of weeks off from going to Holy Communion. Again, Christ's desire is not just some sort of, uh, uh, you know, mental or, or spiritual conversation with us. He desires actual intimate communion with us. He wants to dwell in us and us in him. Mm-hmm. And communion is one of these, it's such a great word because um, 
it's kind of like if you if I had to describe communion, I would think of it as a word that describes a state in which I retain the fullness of myself and Christ retains the fullness of himself, but you can't really tell where I begin and where he ends. Can well, I, I add did. to that? Please. I'm so sorry, Jason. You're No, no, you're good. Go ahead. Okay. No, no, but no so, because I, I'm going to take us off course a little bit, so go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> oh. Okay, so <laughs> So this actually makes me think about I haven't talked like a ton about this, but earlier this year I went on a silent retreat. It was my first one ever, and I was I was bringing in some pretty heavy stuff um that I I really wanted to focus on praying about. And at one point I was, I was receiving spiritual guidance from the, the sister. She was a, a beautiful handmaid. Um, and I said, I just am always praying that God gives me his heart. I just want his heart and I don't want my heart. Like I want his heart. And she looked at me and she said, but Angela, he wants your heart. He doesn't want you to have his heart. He already has it. He wants your heart, man. And it that was, was amazing. Right. Oh my gosh. I was just bawling. This is probably the first time I've talked about it and not cried. So this is like beautiful. But, um, I just looked at her and I said, no, he doesn't because it was so deeply rooted in the sense of being unlovable and, um, unworthy. And, but then I think, you know, even in our devotion to the sacred heart, we always pray that our hearts are like unto thine. We don't pray for us to have his heart replace our own. And God didn't create us to just love himself. He created us to love us, mm. to magnify his love and to give glory to him and to, and to God, the father through the power of the Holy spirit. So, um, you know, that's where I think we have to accept God's grace and his mercy. And that, that requires an act of, of, deep humility, especially when you are struggling with perfectionism, um, anything rooted in that sense that you are unworthy, unlovable, and that you have to work out um, your salvation in fear and trembling, but without that mercy that that he offers us and, and wants to love us with. So it has to, again, it's always, it, we don't have a faith that's either or, it's both and. Angie, I know that you've, 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 played a little golf in your day. Is that right? I, so I, I wish I, right? I did once on my 21st birthday. I was, so I was working at a golf Why course. Why do I remember that you, my husband you used to live golf. on the golf course? At some no, point. I worked on it. I worked at a yeah. golf course. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So well, I actually then, played really well. One, I was of course. Good, yeah. You, so are you just like a naturally luck. athletic person? Do you, are I you, am. Yes. Okay, yeah. And she, so and, I, and I've noticed a lot of women are naturally good at golf because they don't try to muscle and swing that like, like they, they have a yeah. naturally smoother it's the bend swing. in the arm that really helps <laughs> with the shallowing the club. <laughs> that's true. Um, that's true. No, I, 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 I did. I got a physiological advantage. I did want to go back to, to what Angela, to the question that I asked, because I think I never considered it. And I think maybe it answered at least a, a portion of the question of how do I receive God's love? And when you said you got to carve out time, to, you know, in mental prayer and to hear, hear the voice of God in silence. I don't know. I, I guess I just, it sounds simple, but it's not something that really crossed my mind to maybe this is part of the answer to this. And I remember reading in um, Cardinal Sarah's book, the power of silence. He writes about mm -hmm. at one point in there about like, we have to be able 
or we should try to attain this this level of silence to where not not where we just sit and are quiet, say in front of the blessed sacrament. We're just quiet, but we're still having that inner monologue in our head talking. It's you know, maybe thinking about this. It may even be thinking about spiritual things or even in prayer to Christ himself, right? Mm-hmm. He, he writes, right. we've got to have this where we shut that all down and we're literally just in silence and and then we can hear the voice of God. And mm-hmm. I don't know about y'all, but if you've ever tried that, but I, I cannot get this inner monologue to shut up. It's either right. it keeps going <laughs> Or, or I just like start to doze off or something because you're, but, 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 th- but then the, the struggle to just keep silence becomes an inner monologue in itself because you're like, be quiet. Stop talking. Oh my goodness. Oh, hi. That's a, that's that's a, that's a Klingon. That's, that's a Klingon. Right there. <laughs> I was watching it grow in real time. It's horrifying. Oh my goodness. <laughs> hi. Hi. Oh my goodness! Her dad made over. Yeah, yeah. yeah, A lot of the kids. I think your your son looks like your husband a lot too, doesn't he? They all do, except for maybe maybe my my third child, which is ironic (laughs) because she's actually named after my sister, so it's kind of special. When uh, I was when I was in the monastery, my first my first three months was really great because you, you sort of unplug everything and it gets really quiet and it's all your inner monologue and, and God talks to you a lot. Right. And, and all of a sudden, and then like all of a sudden after about month four, even God himself goes eerily quiet and the, the stillness and the silence at first is terrifying <laughs> and it is very uncomfortable at first. Uh, and it's, it's that deeper silence is something you have to sort of grow into and, it was not, I, I will be honest. I never really did attain that, that, that elite monk, you know, level of monastic silence, but I'm deeply in awe. I love it. it. I was amazed when I went on retreat because I, I could have, I don't know if it's because I'm a mom and there's just always so much noise at home, Mm -hmm. which is beautiful. I'm not saying it's like the worst thing ever, but I crave silence and so I was like, this is the best thing ever. You know, I'm, I could have stayed there forever. I was like, was I made to live in a convent? And I just accidentally became a mom instead. Like what happened here? Well, here's the thing um, is I've heard about these silent retreats before, but they're kind of, to me, they're kind of scary. I don't know why, but it's kind of like, I've got to be quiet for two days. Like it was amazing. That's, that's a tall task. Lou, improve your inner dialogue. You're not an idiot. You're, we were just talking about this. You're not an idiot. No, we're all waving. That little girl can't see me either. But <laughs> we're all waving. And you Caitlin, know, go back. She's going to be playing with my lights earlier. To she might end up like making them go Technicolor disco or something. So just bear warning. Cool. If, it, okay. if there's a party in the background, it's Veronica. Caitlin. Go back and watch the episode on my reversion. You'll hear the whole story. Um, well, here's yeah, the thing um, too about about your inner monologue and perfectionism and and being highly critical of yourself is you know the question I asked earlier, another quote that came with it, it says, if we accept that God's love is unconditional, then we will become capable of showing boundless love to others. And I think mm. that we what what you said earlier, Angela, that like our I think our you sound like me in a lot of ways. Our self-critical inner monologue to ourself does not allow us to realize that God's love is unconditional. 
mm-hmm. know, and um, and until and until I realize that, until I accept that, I don't think that I will fully be capable of of loving others as I should. Yeah, I think that's why for me, reading sacred scripture has helped me a lot because I, you just see so clearly how much he loves the Israelites, even in the Old Testament. And the, and you know, like, yes, reading Jesus, you know, all the miracles that Jesus is, is performing and the things that he's saying, every, everything is really beautiful, but also you see it very profoundly in the Old Testament too. And I think the, the more I understood the arc of, of salvation history, how many times Israel failed him and, and just how broken these people are. Um, that really allowed me to be like, wow, like these people, he used them to bring about heaven, like our own redemption. And if he can do that with them, he should be able to do that with me too. I, I mean, I'm praying he can, you know? Um, yeah. and, and so that for me really brought some healing too. That's why like, and two, being able to see that he can use our suffering to to work his his thing. Like I, I say, the the story of Joseph uh, in the Old Testament is one of my favorites because it's just one of those very obvious examples of how the suffering he endured, which was horrible, um, the betrayal he experienced. That's some of the worst. Uh, I think betrayal is one of the worst things we can ever experience in our lives and being betrayed by his own family in such a profound way and everything else he just continued. And yet at the end of it all, Joseph could see God's hand in it and how he was preserving Israel. Um, and I, I look at my own life and it's like, wow, I can see where God was moving, even though I, I couldn't, I couldn't see it at the time. It was just suffering. Um, so yeah, and that gave, that gives me a lot of hope. Well, you know, speaking Jesus of uh, not, Jesus could not have truly suffered with us without Judas, because what no. I mean, you know, yeah. everything Judas, I mean, everything that Jesus went through, it's like there's there's a special pain that comes from being stabbed in the back by mm-hmm. your friends, by people you love. Yeah. yeah. It's not even just your friends. It's like people you love. Yeah. Yeah, for well, sure. Well, talking about God's talking about God's unconditional love for the Israelites kind of reminds me of the story of Hosea and his wife Gomer, right? Because Hosea's wife had was a was a temple prostitute, was unfaithful to Hosea, had three children that weren't even or questionable at least if they were even Hosea's children, right? And the story speaks a lot to spiritual adultery of the Israelites. They were, you know, they were, they were God's chosen people, yet they were always seeking after the the false gods, the other gods out there. And, but God still loved them unconditionally, even to the point that he still sent his son to die for them and for all of us. And it's just, that story really speaks to the unconditional love because, because, you know, Hosea was hurt by their, you you know, you know, by her unfaithfulness. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I think that when, when I'm unfaithful to obeying God or, or, or I, I don't love God as I should, or if I love other things more than God, I am guilty of the same type of spiritual adultery of of the Israelites in many regards. And, Mm -hmm. um, but God is still there, much like Hosea was in the story, to welcome back his bride, 
you know, with open arms, just like God is there with open arms to welcome, welcome us back. And we, you see the same thing in the prodigal son, you know, mm-hmm. the, the father receives his running son out to with him. Op- yes. Running yeah. out, running out to him, not just waiting for him, but desires his son so much that he runs out to him. And I think that is obviously our relationship with God, because that's what the story is teaching us. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, we're at an hour and 12. I don't know if you guys want to wrap it up. I can keep going. It's up to you. Um, that's not our, well, that's not our show. We don't, we're not on that show anymore. Uh, some updating uh, needs to happen. There, there we go. go. There we go. Text Catherine. <laughs> um, I, mean, I kind of like the rebrand. I didn't know if I was going to like it. Oh, first. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. It works. It, it works. And I'm sorry. I uh, hurt myself there a second. Only I can hurt myself while podcasting, and I can't believe. Like, <laughs> like uh, anyway, um, don't worry. We still love you. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's it's questionable it's, at times. Questionable at times. That's right. Oh my god. And, oh, you know what? I missed my opportunity. I should have said allegedly. Dang it. Allegedly. I missed my opportunity. <laughs> Oh my um, goodness. Well, we need, I mean, we need to make some shirts or coffee mugs that just say allegedly on it. Oh, I know I've got, there's so mm-hmm. much to do. And I, that's the other thing is I feel like I, this ties into our conversation is I feel like I'm overwhelmed with things I have to do. Like, I, I feel like you're not carrying your weight in. I feel like you're not carrying your weight in this podcast. I'm, I'm pretty much having to do most at- of the, Okay. Anyway, so we, uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Here, let's get back on here. <laughs> you shut your mouth. No, uh, I've, I've been MIA quite a bit. So, well, let me ask you a question. Now that I've got you on the show, I'm going to, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to put the screws to me you or here. Angela. You, Cause we're, we're, you. we're, we've both been on this show just, uh, just about the same amount of time. <laughs> this text <laughs> gathers your podcast. <laughs> That's right. Except she has an excuse. This is not her show. So here's my question. And I, and here's my question. Tell me honestly, are you, are you MIA because you're doing dad stuff or are you MIA because you don't feel like you're good enough to do a show today or you don't feel knowledgeable enough on this topic or, or something like that? I mean, is it, Is that the what you look like? You're that's the question. Yeah, man. Okay. I'm why just, are you, no, why no. are you avoiding Mark? Why are you avoiding me? Most of I know why you avoid. I'll, Robin I'll, I'll be the mate. I'll, I'll moderate, mediate. Yeah, you moderate. Yeah, man. you're the mediator. No, therapist no, Angela. Mediator. We're in marriage. We're in, we're in marriage counseling. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time that. <laughs> Yeah, but hang, but on, this hang is on. on. Let me sit like this and away from and away from Jason. But this marriage, marriage is not sanctioned by the church, just so it's clear <laughs> to everybody. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. Um, but the, it's okay because the synod is coming up with some special blessings just for us. So stop it's okay. it. Stop. So I know, I know. Angela, I'll stop. I'll, and, stop. I'll stop. I'll stop. Angela is a Texan. We, she's text. You can only be text commute. No, that, that's not true. I can text communicate non Texans. I yeah, think all non Texans are text. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so she was almost I, a I Texan. Will, it came yeah. close there a few we times. We thought about it. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a sister yeah. that lives in Texas. It's like that, I'm not a racist because I have a black friend. I'm <laughs> basically a Texan de facto. <laughs> so fair enough. Fair enough. 
Well, I, I will tell you, you missed a beautiful drought this year with 30 plus days of 100 plus temperatures here in Houston. More and like that, you 90 know, plus days. It was you brutal. were talking earlier about about making bad decisions and dehydration and praying during your your runs or your workouts. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how you do that while you're running, because for the past few months, I've been working out. I've been running, you know, quite a bit, you know, about four times a week at least. Um Dropped 20 pounds, by the way. Good and, for you. Um, but anyway, I will, I'm not I will start running. To you. <laughs> you should. I will start <laughs> running. And uh, Angela, do you see what I deal with? Do you see <laughs> what I deal with? Here? Oh, this dude. is my whole life here. So, so I will so start running. And sometimes I will start praying. But that prayer quickly devolves into, oh, help me finish this. Oh, help me finish this run. This sucks. Like, you That's know, a like, good prayer. I, I'm, I'm suffering. Well, I don't say this sucks. A God, Lord, like, help me finish proper, the race. But, That's a totally yeah, legitimate prayer. prayer. So, yeah. but one of my, I've done it twice. Actually, I've made a terrible decision where I'm like, well, I don't want to run tonight. Cause I'm busy and I will run at the heat of the day. And I ran one day and it was like 101. It said that it felt like 112. And now that was the time where I was like, I was literally playing, praying the whole run. Don't let me like get heat stress die. or heat stroke or die basically. Um, but to answer your question, Mark, that I've been avoiding, it's you, not me. Um, <laughs> it, it, no, I've just been busy. I mean, most of the time it's just, I'm busy with that, you know, just doing different stuff around the house, like Tuesdays and Thursdays or wrestling practice for the kids. Wednesdays, I usually go for the open mat with them um fridays were mondays and fridays were free but fridays now because my wife has she does sports photography you know on, on the side so she she's always enjoyed photography are you saying she, that you as a trad let your wife bring in an income dude he's already quoting pope francis I quote yeah pope this francis. has been like, too much like, this has been too much for me modernism I'm, alert so i think you're so, a larper so, so, so surprisingly enough, my wife has always been in f- love photography. You know, it's just something, it's just a hobby she's always wanted. I've always tried to get her to like, well, you should pick up that hobby and learn how to do it, you know, better and whatnot. And uh, so, so she started, she mom's started taking hobbies. No, yeah, it's true. But this mom does. And uh, so she started taking pictures of our kids, you know, when they were in sports doing like wrestling. So they asked her, what would you be interested in doing? um some high school football games so now fridays i actually go to the football games with my wife while she does the you know i'm on the field with her kind of helping her out and i'll try to it's kind of fun right because i played football growing up i love i still love football so she'll take pictures and we'll find the spotlights and i'll look at the down and distance and and the formation and i'll say oh you should focus on this one because it's going to be a it's going to be a pass it's third and 11 they're going to throw it focus on this receiver he's your spotlight so i kind of get out there predicting play so it's kind of a fun i don't know date night maybe i don't know if you want to call it that but but it's but it's been enjoyable so so now fridays during football season i've been doing that lately and, um, yeah, so I, it, it, it's not that I, I haven't, I mean, I always feel inadequate talking about the topics that we had and in all fairness, we have done an episode recently, um, actually a really good episode with, um, what was the name of that book? Um, no, it sounds like it made a huge impression on you. I mean, I can tell you that. Uh... <laughs> Memorable. Memorable. Oh, hang sure. on, hang on. Because I, I'm in the middle of three books right now. So 
cut me some slack, dude. Uh, Jason, John Bursch. John Bursch. You remember the name? Yeah, of the book? John Bursch. And the name of the book is I have it right here. It is um, Loving God's Children. That's it. It's a book by Sophia Press. Actually, Thank a really you for good interview. It, so I didn't have to. So <laughs> I didn't remember the name of the book either. Um, no, but he, he was, he was a fascinating guy. So we have done an episode and you did an episode, but we were supposed to do it together, but some loser backed out on it. And, uh, speaking of, we haven't rescheduled yourself, that. We should. Oh yeah. And well, we, then you had asked me and I back and I had to reschedule with you and yeah. So it's oh, just, he does it to know, you just too, live. Oh, okay. That's once. interesting. That's good. To know. <laughs> he does it to you too. Okay. <laughs> just one. Jason, I tease you, buddy. I know. I, no, dude, no, I, know, I, I, know. I get it. You've got, you, <laughs> I, I, it would, I would, I would not want me to tell. Oh, look the show at this modernist right here. Look at this modernist. <laughs> I was. I skateboarded. I snowboarded. I didn't wear a dress for a very long time. I played football well, every day. Did they call you by your proper pronouns? You know, he, back in those days, they still did. Yes. I'm sure if I had grown up in this time, people would have told me I was a lesbian, transgender. That ain't no lie. Back in the day, we understood that a tomboy was still a girl and that mm -hmm. most tomboys grew up to be mothers and happily married. I mean. Yep. Yeah. So uh, well, uh, yeah, that's a whole nother thing. So, oh, I Jason used to make fun of the, the cheerleaders of behind them. Actually, that's what I would do. Lou, that's the name of Jason's other podcast, "The Art of Avoidance," and it's just Jason. We're not we're not allowed on. It's just him. And it, no, but there's it never a, nobody's ever seen it. It exists and, in a quiet and place. no one's ever been on because Jason's always canceled their, <laughs> their interviews. <laughs> well, oh, twice, wow. twice I've given them the link and they just show up without me. And I'm like, <laughs> welcome to the episode. What is it? <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, oh, man. Guys, don't, so, don't be too hard on yourselves is the whole yeah. point of the episode. I mean, take it, you know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Okay. So it was back when we were doing trad men and it was Mike, my reversion oh, no. stories and like that. I don't know. Uh, taper your expectations. It wasn't one of our better episodes. It was, just oh, it was, and, oh, okay. Like you, you have just ignored the whole lesson of this episode. By dude, saying that. I don't like the episodes that are like about me. I, I hate that. It, it feels so strange and, and self-promotory uh, that's not a good that's not a real word self-aggrandizing there you go yeah yeah and I, i've always had this idea that um my my mentality about the show is if you watch our show and at the end of the show you know who jesus christ is but you have no idea who jason and i are then that's how i want to do the show like i I, he's the superstar. Like we're not, I, I don't think I'm that interesting of a person to quite frankly, not in comparison to Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I've never, I've never been crucified and then risen from the dead three days later under my own power. I've never done that. It's probably allegedly. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think I, I get this feeling like you can come off a certain way on, uh, a podcast and people can get this idea of you. And I think like if people knew the real me, they would be like, Oh, he's just like the rest of us. He's really not. I think people would still like you. I mean, I, well, still I think like they you. would like me. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I mean, I, I hope so, but I, I, I get I'm a very judgmental that... person and I still like you. Like <laughs> in all seriousness, I am a very judgmental person and that's something Are you else really? that I, I've never oh, experienced very. that. No, very, when, who very. have you ever judged? 
besides oh. every pope and cardinal and bishop that dons yeah. a red hat and <laughs> no but all, no all it is something know. that i it is something that I, another imperfection of mine i am very judgmental not in a good way um okay but i, I like you yeah not like me uh there we go yeah that's that's the name of my other podcast that's just me it's called shut, shut it mark um no yeah i know we're, we're all super hard on ourselves and i guess there's a there's a i like jason i do too he's such a great guy dude jason is uh, he quickly became my best friend um uh, i met him at a night's thing one time actually the feast of corpus christi we were holding yeah. the um the coppola uh over the over the blessed sacrament during the procession and i just remember thinking oh, this guy's about my age and he's got a beard and he doesn't look like he totally sucks so we should get to know each other and then we ended up doing a podcast together and it was that it was really just i don't like that yeah. um okay this is this has got to be us this is this is us Your couple name. that's it we should that's it this Jarkson. is what we should have this is what we should have named the pod totally I had the idea that every Friday night we would do jam sessions. J A M Jason and Mark. That's a jam session, you know. We had one set up and then I think I canceled it. I was like, oh, Yeah, you did. Friend. You canceled one. And then it was just I'm the worst. <laughs> <laughs> See? Look at you just said it. No. It's this hard is not true, to do, though. isn't it? But seriously, yeah. look, listen, pay attention. You just said yeah. I'm the worst. And that's what I do. And you yeah. think like that's your internal voice. Mm. That's a problem. <sighs> okay, Mom. look at that. I am a mom. <laughs> I know. <I'm... laughs> I am a mom. No, straighten up. <laughs> Sit up straight. Shoulders back. Just you know so. what? You know what occurred to me today is just like a, and I just as soon as I just thought about it for no reason. This is not connected to anything we're talking about. But I was thinking I like about. It. I like where this is going. Senior Lodenstein. <laughs> Senior Lodenstein, the 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 game that Dwight and Jim invented to load the truck in the warehouse full of paper, where they would slide the paper across the, and they came up with the name Senior Lodenstein, and there's like, tell them why it's called that, and Jim just sort of looks down and he goes, "Por qué es muy rápido." <laughs> I died. I that, like little things like that. That that show just used to crack me up, dude. Senior Lodenstein for KS Muy Rapido. That and the one where Michael forgets which Asian waitress he's brought to the office. Stop it. And he marks her with a permanent marker. Yes. Have you seen that? Have you have you seen that? Remember, at least you're not Michael Scott. (laughs) Oh shit. No kidding. I always always fancied myself more like a creed, a less a less felonious oh. creed. I'm not quite I'm not quite that crazy, but it's I come up with dark. some like random <laughs> pretty dark stuff. <laughs> yeah. I think if I was anybody in that show, I would definitely be creed. Um anyway. All right. That's all I got. Anybody got anything else? Ange, what when when's your interview? There we go. Sorry, I, I've y'all lost me there. Okay, um, let's see. So I, I, uh, I'm being interviewed next Thursday night. I don't know when it's going to be published. It's not live. Um, it's going to be on Helen Roy's podcast, Girl Boss Interrupted. 
Um, for those of you who don't know, she's like a she's a columnist for several major publications and has this really awesome podcast. Um, and let's see, I have I have some other people coming on. I, I will be interviewing a uh, survivor of check, child sexual uh, assault and and child sex trafficking soon on my podcast. So that's going to be a live show, and it's going to be very interesting. Um, so I hope that you guys will tune in for that. And then after that, I will be interviewing Keith Nestor on my podcast about his conversion. So I'm excited to have some of these, these, these episodes coming up. Cause I took kind of a hiatus for a long time. So yeah. it feels good to get back into it. We're glad to have you back on the mm. air too. And, uh, yeah. for those of you who don't know, and I, I'm sure everybody here knows integrated with Angela Erickson. If you don't know, go over to YouTube, subscribe to integrate with Angela Erickson great podcast, lots of good content. She's a certified FOS friend of the show, uh, has been since way back in the day. She was one of the first guests to come on and back when we were just trying to get established and we really appreciate all the support that she's always given, uh, Tradman slash text catheter, uh, Jason and myself. We just, we, we, we really very fond of you and thanks for coming oh, on the thanks. show again. No, you guys are the um, best. I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for people like you letting me come on here and hanging out with me. Yeah, absolutely. Jason, I want to welcome you back to the show, buddy. Uh, I'm yeah, going like, like to get off of it. I'm going to get off of it because I'm no, why not? now this is where the prodigal son thing need to, need, needs to come in because I'm being a little bit like the, the, well, okay, but well, I haven't, well, I haven't consistently proven back, you know, I haven't consistently proven that I am that I have done what I need to re be received. You haven't you know? earned my love. You have not exactly. earned my love. And well, definitely not unconditional. I'm feeling. I give it freely. That's right, buddy. Uh, okay, so so I, I I don't mean to I don't mean to go back, but I I lost connection with you guys when you were talking about the office. Have you guys seen that Instagram page, uh, The Office Theology or something like that? Yes. Where it's they take great. scenes from The Office? It's okay. so good. Yeah. It's so good. It's really it goes, good. It goes like uh, the, my favorite one is where they talk about Leviticus. And they're like, when you're re reading Leviticus 19 and it has Dwight at the Benihana's, he's like, you got to take his neck back. Cut the throat. <laughs> There'll be a lot of blood. Don't, don't worry. You know, and he goes, so oh, good. that's my favorite one. Margo, uh, we love you too. You're a good egg, Margo. And yeah, you you should be a little bit easier on yourself. And you well, should go to a driving range and try golf. I think you might like it. You might have fun. Until she it. says, oh. until she said this, now I don't know so much anymore. Downton Abbey has its. Don't even start. Don't, if you want me to come back on, tread very carefully. This yeah, is a man show just, just with Angela. Listen. <laughs> um, my nickname growing up was Mangela. So I feel like it's okay. fine. It's fine. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. Everybody's fine. Fine. You you um, remember that? But you remember that that show? Is that the Friends? Ross. Yeah, where Ross loses. Yeah. Like I'm fine. Okay, wait okay. a minute. You can I, be a fan of Friends, but I can't like Downton Abbey because that's not masculine enough. Friends was the I didn't worst say I, show. I didn't say I was a fan of it, but I have yeah. seen episodes of it. Oh, that, and that show that is so awful. The that all those characters oh, it's were clearly written by women. Of, all of them. Yeah. yeah well, it, it's the, not the, a morally good show. I'm not horrible. saying that. I don't yeah, mean but... morals wise. It just wasn't entertaining. Like I could 
Like, but that episode that I saw, right? I had seen, I haven't seen them all, but I saw that episode, and when I saw that, that actually made me laugh quite a bit back in the day when he was like, "I'm fine." I have never seen a joke on Friends that I've ever thought was yeah. funny. I mean, I, I've I've watched episodes. They, they have YouTube videos where you can watch scenes from Friends with the laugh track removed, and you'll see just how utterly vapid that show was. All those characters were clearly written by women. And, and uh, I mean, women listen, aren't very funny. So. I'm not digging on you, Ange, but <laughs> male characters written by women are vapid and insepid. And they're I just, stupid. Yeah. I'm, no, I stupid. agree. I'm sorry. They lack I mean, complexity. Yeah. Big time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, moving on from that, if you, it, you've ever been, it's like Saturday night. Thank you, Margo. You I think we just asleep. became best friends. You can't fall yep. asleep. And you need to put something on TV, but not something where you you can't get invested in a story because you're trying to go to sleep. Downton Abbey is perfect. It is so it's pointless the, if you ain't got to pay attention. Oh no no, you don't pay attention. There's nothing to, there, there's nothing gripping about this story. It's about a bunch of wealthy people and their servants who live in a castle, and they talk in British idioms from like the turn of the uh, the turn of the 20th century. And I'm telling you, that sucker is like a horse tranquilizer. You I've, you put that on, and you will go out quick. It's fantastic. It is it is instant narcolepsy. You know what? I'm glad I made that intro with you a long time ago. With the candle, which intro? The which candle one? where oh, where I had the I candle, and you were talking oh, in your is, sweet hang on, voice. Hang on a second, Liz. You know what? We still have it here. We still oh, have still, it. Let's, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Oh, oh, here we go. Here we go. Let's look. Welcome, everybody, to Trad Man. You're tuned in to the Quiet Storm. Mark and Jason are going to be keeping you company all night. Oh, yeah. All right. We're going to grow in holiness. We're going to make some love. It's the Quiet Storm with Mark the Shark on Tradman. Dude, I could have fired you for that. <laughs> I would have fired you for that. And you had no idea I was going to do it. I just told him that day. I was like, hey, I made a new intro. I'm going to keep it a surprise and I'll show you when it comes on. <laughs> Let me tell you something. It's all fun and games until the restraining orders start popping in. You know, I start getting served uh, with, uh, you know, protective orders. Uh, and, you know, oh, it made well, people you actually, very You actually had a lady make a comment when we did that episode about getting on to you. No, we don't need to blah, 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 blah. You got in trouble for it. Oh. Hooftab. It was bad. Those were those were the days. Those are oh the Tradman was a it's interesting. Come a long way, show. you know. <laughs> I, I don't know if well, it's come a long not. way, but it's come somewhere. Yikes! Oh yikes! That's Oof, the last yeah. time I ad lib on air. Oh my goodness gracious! <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad. Oh, that was all right. Um. Yeah, that was bad. All well, right. Well, thanks you know, for you tolerating know what's funny? that. You know what's funny since you played that? Our viewer count has gone up. 
they just want to. I think they just want to see what happens next. Can I please fight Mark sometime? Anytime. You, you know what? Yeah, fine. That's fine. We can fight. You, you'd probably win. You would hit a woman. Yeah. Oh, 2020, it's 2023, questions. man. It's 2023. It's the current year, Ange. There's no, you know. Well, as I learned from Obama the other day, we can't we can't figure out the difference between a man and a woman, aren't we all gay? I, I mean, <laughs> that's, right. that's a that's the great thing when you can't. I mean, you can't literally have categorization. I'm always mystified why Francis believes that everybody's too rigid. I'm like, we literally can't have definitions. Of we anything. are so fluid. It's a problem. <laughs> We don't Who's even know what what sex we are. We're yeah, so we have fluid. no idea what anything enough, means. Gender fluid is part of the alphabet community. Being if gender you can fluid, believe it. If I get mad about something I see in the news, and I go to a random innocent person and burn their house down, the definition of that is social justice. Words don't mean anything anymore. In fact, most words mean the one hundred and eighty degree opposite of what they actually mean. So yeah, I mean mm. you know. That's the, yeah. that's what, uh, Hey man, you, you saw it live on air. Barack Obama really said that. So that was really yeah. him. I'm quoting him. You could. I did. All right. We're just, we're just wasting time. Yeah. Now. We're just kind of <laughs> goofing around, but thanks for coming on. Ange. enjoyed your, yeah. right. um, your input there. I appreciate it. It was good to have you as yeah, always thanks guys for letting me jump on. Ask anytime. Um, check us out on Twitter. We're going to be, we're, we're still working on a website and merch and all that good stuff. And uh, God willing, we'll be back here next time to, uh, to rock out with another one. We've got some pre-recorded episodes. We're going to be releasing this week and uh, almighty God bless you. May our lady keep you. And remember life is hard, but it's harder when you don't pray the rosary. Bye guys. God bless. Mm-hmm.